This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Live commentary. He knocks it inside the crazy Empire. Steps away from the attention to Smith. Empire now finds Bay and Fennick. Bay and Fennick. Pass two, pass three. He's clipped there, but he's still going. Referee plays advantage. That's a penalty. Bay and Fennick. Must have taken on, must have taken on five players. Beat the lock. And have a pat down in the penalty area. Live interviews. When I was used to my material of that, he used to give me lifting. And I said to him, one day you're going to, I said to him, one day you're going to, I'm going to be playing with you. And it to be that he was the one that I remember him going down to the line and just crossing it back and me sliding in with my left foot all them years ago and putting it in. And I think, I, I, I remember it and I know nearly every Sheffield Wednesday fan remember it because they keep telling me about it now. Expert analysis. It's hard to actually stop naming players. Gus out. Oops. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, say again. Hello. Alright, there. Okay. That was strange. You just said Hello. Well, most of the time, anyway. Homesdale Radio. www.holradio.net Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. I am Chris Hambling and I'm here to guide you through our review of an extraordinary day in the history of Crystal Palace Football Club. For the first time ever, we bring you a show discussing the fortunes of a Mm. Premier League club. Mm. Yesterday was a hot and historic day. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, completed an unthinkable turnaround in our club's fortunes. In three years, we've gone from the brink of extinction to winning the richest prize in football. Uh, the game played out yesterday has changed the very course of the existence of our club in a massive way. Financial rewards give our owners the chance to put in place everything they dream of to give us the best possible chance to compete at the highest level. The players that have taken us there have shown to a man that they wear the shirt with pride that they fight for each other. It was a victory for unity and a fitting way to say goodbye to one of the finest players ever to have come out of our famous academy. Uh, That's the beginning of a new journey for Palace and one which we'd never have dreamt possible at the start of this season. That's what I think and as ever I would just love to hear your opinions on that as well. You can give us your reaction to the day yesterday and also let us know your opinions on any of the topics we discuss. You can email us, it's radio at homesdale.net you can tweet us it's at HOL radio just uh, give us your views uh, ask us any questions you might have of the presenting team I call it a presenting team there's currently two of us um, oh one last little thing you can visit the chat room uh, on homestead.net go to HOL forward slash chat there may be some people in there I don't know it's quite a 
late notice show, so I'm not too sure if the chat room's up and running, but you never know. Uh, if you're listening on a PC, you might be interested to know you can listen on a mobile device via the TuneIn Radio app. Um, helping me review this uh, amazing, amazing game yesterday uh, is currently Albert Curley. Hello, mate. Good evening. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, still Just the two of us. It is, yeah. Uh, we can make Holyoke. it if we try. Oh, please, no songs. Not yet. We might do one at the end. <laughs> or save it for our end of season show, whatever that's... That might be. Um, just before I go any further, uh, like I, said, I was going to say, uh, we're supposed to have uh, Joe Holyoke on, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your views of his opinions. Uh, we don't know where he is. He's just disappeared. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to Lewis and Luke Manici. Um, I saw them with their uh, mum and uh, dad, Mark, after the game. I was a bit shell-shocked, so I'm not sure how I managed to communicate with them, but... Um, but their dad, tell, uh, Mark, tells me that neither uh, Lewis or Luke have ever seen Palace lose. And Lewis has a season ticket next yeah. year, so I think we're going to be champions. Um, which is all right, isn't it? Uh, right, so um, obviously the other big news is um, Peter Ramage has agreed to join us for a chat. We'll be calling him around half past eight and uh, getting a view from inside the camp on their reaction to that um, incredible win. Um, I'm sure they're probably feeling as shocked as we are, but it'd be nice to know um, what the players have been up to in terms of celebration. And um, also gonna might be asking what he was saying to poor Damien Delaney when he was um, sort of collapsed on the floor crying. Whatever uh, it was, it upset game. him clearly. It did, did, yeah, did, did make him unhappy. Nah, fantastic stuff. But um, obviously, well, I was gonna say what, what did we all do before the game, but since it's just two of us, I'm just asking you, really, mate. Um, so before the game, what was what was your routine? Uh, what did I do before the game? I managed to get the train up to Wembley. Uh, nice, easy journey. Walked up to the Green Man, um, which a riot nearly ensued because they'd stopped letting people in. Uh, lots of uh, heavy-handed stewarding. Luckily, we're all used to that. Uh, <laughs> lots of police. And then, oh, then in the blink of an eye, the police had turned their back and the stewards had opened the gates and everyone poured in. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe how many people were there. It was like Glastonbury or something. <laughs> um, then met up with the family and then did a lap of Wembley and made our way into the stadium and you know then 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 it happened didn't it really so, yeah it, it did no I was just you? interested because it's obviously everyone had sort of seemed to have different experiences of the day because uh, we chose to to sort of drink in in Croydon before and sort of drunk at the Ship of Falls pub in, in West Croydon you got quite a good group of people in there. You know, obviously, we, we, I did fear like the, the the vast crowds of of the Green Man. Obviously, there's people at the Globe as well, Baker Street, and I've seen pictures from that, and it's just hordes of Palace just took over everywhere, and it's. I mean, obviously, it's fantastic to see. It really is. I could see Palace Guard from afar standing on some sort of semi-temporary <laughs> structure, banging a aluminium Heineken branded tray, some sort of chant, <laughs> and I think I saw Homesdale Radio's own Ben Nagel staggering about. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's all very surreal. Yeah, yeah. There was plenty of familiar faces in the the throngs of of Palace fans. It was um, that was just absolutely. It's just it's just an amazing day. Like I said, we we drank we drank in West, uh, West Croydon, and um, uh, I, I can can't. It's one of those where you know what I'm usually like. Every week I'm talking about. I can't really remember the day. <laughs> you know, I can remember vague bits of the game, but I remember every single second of the day. And it didn't seem to matter how much I, I drank. It was just I was so. 
I'm sure you were trying your best yourself. as well. I really did. I really did try. I mean, I drank so much Jägermeister, but I just I couldn't quite shake off the, the sort of focus that I had on the day, and it seemed to take forever to get. We, you know, we went to eat the overground sort of Canada water and dumped on the Jubilee line. It was still absolutely ran with Palace everywhere. Bearers, obviously, you know, travelling a different direction to most of the Watford fans, so you'd expect that. But when we turned up at Wembley, just wanted to do the walk down Wembley Way. Obviously, you have to do the walk, and of course, you know, you, that that's when it all started to hit home. You just, and again, it's just a sea of Palace, and the only noise you could hear was Palace, and it's just it. You know, it felt like the the ground was ours, and it and it kind of carried on that way. I think. Um, We'll talk about the atmosphere in a little bit. Uh, I know Nick Gillard has just turned up. Hello, Nick. Evening. How you doing? Oh, you all good. happy? Um, Where yeah, were yeah. we? were shit. Yeah. You, um, <laughs> you, um, you mentioned Ben Nagel. I've got a good photo on Facebook of Ben Nagel putting ketchup on a burger. But I tagged him. Oh, in. I remember bumping into him randomly. <laughs> Nick. And, uh, yeah, so loads of people. Um, listen, um, tell us about your day. Where did you drink, or did you drink at all? Or just, was it with the fat day with the family? Um, I just dragged the kids right. along with me Thank to you. the Green Man um, and uh, met up with my brother and a couple of his mates. Uh, got photo bombed by uh, John, the whole, the um, Palace Radio broke John uh, Burgess. He was, well, he's um, also a whole radio broke, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is. Oh, I forgot that. Yes, yeah, so I got photo bombed a couple of times. I didn't notice until he pointed it out on I Facebook. I thought you said you got photo bombed. I didn't know what you were talking about then. No, <laughs> photo bombed. Yeah. Go get with the get with the program. Okay, Mister uh, Albert. All right. So yeah, Nick, you're um, starting to cut out a little bit. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just gonna talk over you now. I think. Um, well, so yeah, like I said, that was that was our sort of experiences of that day, and and, and like I said, we, we will go in and talk about the atmosphere and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, like I say, around the ground, it was, you know, that that, that sort of feeling will stay with me. And I know people. I, I mean, I went to the old Wembley. I remember seeing seeing us at the Zenith Data Systems Cup final. You know, our, our big trophy, and um, and it, that was just one of my earliest Palace memories. And I couldn't. I can remember it being a similar story there because even though we were playing Everton, it was obviously a huge club. You just—it still just seemed to all be Palace. It seems when we do days like this, we just—we just, we just kind of take the place over. And yeah, I mean, before that, I mean, I think it really did focus the mind, and that's—that's that's probably the only point where I started to get nervous and I started to think a little bit more about what it meant and and we know what the prize was at the end of it. I mean, obviously, we've seen playoffs before, but it's sort of every time there's a playoff, that the value that it's worth seems to get higher and higher, and you just start thinking about how you know one of the teams has to go home with with nothing effectively. And as soon as that entered my mind, I have to say I was a bit of a gibbering wreck. <clears throat> the point, the point where I got nervous just before I left the house, I watched the trailer for the documentary that sort of was doing the rounds, and it was only hearing people talk about it and seeing all the, the clips of the Brighton game celebrations again, and hearing Parish and other people talk about what it meant to the club and what we would, how it would transform us if we went up. That's when that's that's when my stomach started going. And that was about five minutes before I left to get on the train. Um, up until then, I'd been sort of quite not um, not ignoring it or or you know didn't care, but I certainly hadn't been trying to think about it too much. But yeah, it's weird. It became very apparent on the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, my my focus was just on on making sure I got you know got to the ground and got to my seat and all those sorts of things. It's, 
it's weird just leading up to it. It never felt, it never felt like the, the sort of the, a huge game until until it was there, till it was actually on you. I felt, and uh, I think until, I think yeah, we until was, the goal went in, it just felt like a day out. Yeah, and and that's all I cared about, to be honest. You know, going away, I vowed never to go to Wembley unless it was for Palace. Um, and yeah, and until then, it was just grateful to be there. It was only when we got the penalty, I guess, that it re- you know it really really dawned on me then. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game. Um, well, I say a little bit. Let's talk for some considerable time about the game. Uh, that first half, obviously, we, we're talking about it. I, th- I thought you know the atmosphere it started. Well, you could quite palpably see that the, the section that had been created by the Homestale fanatics and obviously they invited every other sort of like-minded fans going with them and you saw a lot of that it was, wasn't just one block that was jumping uh, it kind of started off that way but it just kind of spread around the state sort of the lower tier if you like um, and we were creating a good noise I mean I think I have to say the new Wembley doesn't isn't quite as conducive to noise as the old one was in from my memory but mm-hmm. I think we did a really you know really good job as fans to create an atmosphere but it did feel slightly surreal you know, I felt slightly detached from it all, even though we were sort of trying to sing. You know, it's like in a big environment, you're kind of singing and you start joining in with a song, but you're about half a line behind and then you've got people <laughs> above you who are even further yeah. behind. You've turned, you turned into a round like London's Burning. <laughs> it's, exactly like, it's exactly like a round and you know how difficult that is to keep going, especially, <laughs> especially when there's 40,000 of you trying to do it because um, I think there was a lot of Palace in the uh, Club Wembley mm. area. So, um, But hey, look, it was great. It was, it was absolutely amazing like off the pitch but on the pitch we i felt it was really even i watched it i've watched it again i sort of fell asleep watching it when i got in so that didn't really help but i watched it again uh, this afternoon um in in full and i mean i had to say what created very little um but we also created very little in that first half it was kind of sizing each other up i don't know if you feel the same albert yeah definitely i thought it was very similar to the uh, brighton second leg you know it was very just absorb any, you know, what pressure there was, just absorb it, and again, you know, don't commit too much, but then second half, and you know, Watford tried to do it as well, but weren't as successful as us, you know, it really did open up, um, but again, a great, you know, great tactics. Mm. Well, that's something, go on, Nick, sorry. Sorry, but a stat I heard that the first shot on target was until the 56th minute, but it, but I think a lot of that was down to a lot of the blocking from uh, Melee, especially, and um, Joel Ward performing heroics, and, and Damian Delaney especially seemed to do well at the back there, didn't he, in the first half? Just throwing uh, yeah. himself at everything. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, the, the key block really from Delaney was the one on Vidra, because um, he was just pulling the trigger, and he was, I have to say, when you, when you watch the replay of it... Um, it's going in. It's, it's going in, you know, he's going to yeah. score there. And, um, and Delaney just absolutely throws himself at it. But not only did he block the shot, but he injured Vidra's ankle doing it you know there's the sort of impact <laughs> um so it's kind of like you've got are you, are you taking joy out of someone else's injury chris i most certainly am yeah i, think, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to check you know i think i think it's i think when you there's so many little moments in that game when you watch it back and every time i'm gonna watch it back loads and every time i do i'll see something else that's just pivotal i know i will but for me that's that was the key moment of the first half that moment there well, not only does Delaney stop the ball going in the net from Vidra, but he also injured him. You know, he's a dangerous player. Uh, he was just sort of tr- vaguely getting into the game. He's not been in the best of form. What, 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 uh, Watford fans were telling me that, you know, his form's dipped quite uh, of late and he's, he's not been the same player um, that got awarded Championship Player of the Season. But um, but certainly I think it, it was key. And 
another key moment, but not perhaps not for the reasons I thought they would be, was um, was KG getting injured so early on. Uh, obviously, when, when uh, his, you know his his performances have been discussed at length on on whole radio, and but I think he's been back to his normal self of late. Um, you know, maybe not quite at his very yeah. best, but I think he's been doing doing a pretty good job. Um, and and to see him go off early with a, with a calf problem, you have you know you're worried, aren't you? But the player that replaced him really is is what I want to talk about. If I start with you next, Stuart O'Keefe. Yeah, he, he played a blinder, didn't he? When he came on, he um, I was a, a bit skeptical. I thought um, Moritz might come on just as a a kind of reshape it and drop Johnny Williams back a bit because he's a tenacious tackler, isn't mm. he? So he could have kind yeah. of filled that role and and gone on the the sort of runs. He, he likes to go on. Um, no, he he um, he was just all over the place, wasn't he? he fantastic performance, fantastic. I, think, and, I, I know it's only he, doubters, but he's um, he proved them wrong yesterday. I thought. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'd say the first thing he did, uh, from my recollection, the absolute sort of first thing he did was put in a crunching tackle and set up an attack. And I think that's yeah. that probably settled him down. To be honest with you, like that's probably. The best possible thing that could have happened to him was was to get involved that early on and do something positive because it just grew from there. It just grew into a, it was a performance that kind of Stuart O'Keefe that made an impact sort of end of last season, well middle of last season and in, and in that cup run because um, he's not and really featured. Moment, is he? His best moment was kicking the ball in the uh, what for player's face. I don't <laughs> think he intended to do that, but we saw no, it and it just was no. funny, so comical. That's uh, I mean that was Abdi. Obviously, you deserved a, a degree of of grief from us for his comments before the game that obviously would have helped in the team talk as well so but I yeah with him I thought um, actually seeing that back it barely hits him in the face at all I think it's very I'd like to point out it actually he kicks it at his I think his knee and it deflects yeah. into his face yeah yeah yeah. but I mean he was already making a meal out of being injured from, think, from his own the, ridiculous I, challenge I think it was the BBC highlights yesterday whoever I can't think who was commentating but whoever it was was quite scathing about him play acting before yeah. he'd had the ball kicked at him. And obviously, he shouldn't yeah. do it, but what a tart. There, I've said it. <laughs> I think yeah. that's fair. Um, yeah, look, yeah, that's, I mean, that's disappointing, but, you know, dare I say, he seems to be that type of player, really. But, um, yeah, you know, that, but I think, I think O'Keefe coming on, it just added a, a bit of energy, really, because he's obviously, he's a bit more mobile than KG. Perhaps not got the, the, the range of passing that KG has, but, you know, he does play the ball simply, and he, you know, invariably he does give it to a Palace player. So he, he certainly helps him fulfil that role. And I, and I thought one, one could say that he did have our best chance as well prior to the penalty. Mm. Yeah, great, yeah, absolutely. Great control for that. Yeah, chance. yeah. I mean, you saw you saw that you saw his feet, and you don't really know. But he didn't. Well, I didn't know before then that he had that in his locker. I've seen him score a fantastic goal pre-season. I think it was against Aldershot uh, from range. Just absolutely smashed it in the top corner. But you don't really know he's got he's got the ability to do that. Just a sudden switch of feet and put himself in, and it was a good effort. It was going through the keeper's legs. Just happened to catch him on sort of basically on the arse as it went through his legs, and bounced up and went over. But um, well, obviously that was that was sort of taking us into the second half. Really, um, second half I thought we're we're by far the better side. Absolutely, I don't know. Again, it seems we we do that sometimes uh, under Holloway. It seems to be a feature of our game. We sort of fairly slow starters in the first half and second half we come out and we look a different side and, and it happened again. I mean, obviously there were changes that were made. Obviously, uh, Philip Phillips come on for Williams and quite late on in the half, uh, Moritz came on for Garvin and added a different sort of dimension to it. But there was, there was other, other few key moments in that. We, we started creating chances. Um, Aaron Wilbraham notably got some chances and 
some thoughts on that, Albert? Um, I'm, I, to be honest, again, I've sort of defended him over the past few games because I thought he's really, really been one of our exceptional, you know, players in the in the last few games. Um, I th- you know, good saves. You know, they're not bad misses. It's our it's our moon. Armunia was Watford's best player. You know, three. Well, I think did Aaron Wilburn have sort of three mm. chances? All with from about between eight and six mm. yards, and Al Mooney has come out and smothered them mm. quite well. You know. Yeah. To be fair, though, to be fair, if he watched them back, he'd have thought he'd have, he could have done better. I'm sure he would have thought he could have done better. Now, see, I watched the highlights them. twice yesterday, and I I still thought they were great saves. You know, he people say, "Oh, Glenn Murray would have tucked them away," but I I don't think there was a. If you put Glenn Murray in that situation, I don't think it's nailed on that. You know, I don't think he had a bad game, though. Don't get me no, wrong, no, he held the ball up really game. well, he always does. I just think the it, chances came to him very quickly, and, you know, he hasn't had, you know, he's not, you know, hasn't had 30 games of being match fit and sharp, and he's coming in and doing a job, and, I, th- you know, I think people, you know, certainly people around me were effing and blinding, like, you know, like he's it's, spo- spooned it over from four yards. He's not, he's, he's got it on target, he's getting into the positions, and, um, uh, you know, credit to Armunia, I think rather than berating Wilbraham. Well, listen, I, I think there's there's a bit of truth in both sides of it, really. I think Wilbraham, at the end of the game, kind of, when he was when he was interviewed by Sky, you could you could kind of hear that he was um, that, that he was disappointed that he hadn't put those chances away. And I, I think they were good saves. And I, uh, but I think maybe maybe one of them, uh, certainly the one where he sort of pivoted on the spot and sort of hit it. I think it happened a couple of times because it happened for Garvin as well. He did a lovely little lift over with his uh, right uh, right foot, yep. smacked it with his left or the other way around. I forget now. But basically, it could you know it's one of those. He took a swing at it. It could have gone anywhere. Just went straight into Almunia's arms, and that's what kind of happened that second half. We created a lot. I mean, obviously O'Keefe, Wilbraham with three chances. Zaha got through and just is hesitating at the last moment. And you know it was the nerves. You know it was the you know the, the the occasion that kind of just gave that hesitancy. Um, Had an interesting uh, perspective on the game. Being up in the gods, it was it was a bit like watching a game of sensible soccer for those of us old enough to remember that game on the um, um, and it was really interesting to see the tactics of the team from from high above. You could you could see all the little runs. And Wilbraham was was really good off the ball. He was drawing players away. He was you know you could you could really see that from up there. And um, quite a lot of them as well. And the number of times uh, Zaha drew lots of players in and Wilbraham was finding the space. He just didn't get enough welly on the shots, did he? No, that's absolutely right. Um, we've just been joined by uh, John Burgess. Hello, John. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Not too bad. Yourself? Well, re- recovering, I think, is the uh, best way I can put it. It was, um, yeah, for someone who wasn't, wasn't very nervous about it, I was very nervous after we scored. I I went into the game honestly saying and believing you know uh, what what more could I ask for at the start of the season to get to the playoff final Uh, it's been a it was a phenomenal season win or lose yesterday and um, I I was just there to enjoy the day and I absolutely had honestly for those of you who follow me on like Twitter and Facebook yeah that it was one of the best days of my life but not just because of the result, because of the people who I met there. A lot of them I've met through the radio and I've met through the Homesdale um, online. And it was just a magnificent day and topped off by a win and uh, a season to look forward to. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Sums we, it up just, well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, should we go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, 
Well, obviously we're just professionals in the in the house now, mate. That's it. As you join us, we're just kind of discussing that uh, the second half just before um, just before we get into extra time, really. Uh, and one of the things that that did happen in that second half that kind of just sums up the spirit of the of the camp and and the leader on the pitch, which is Mila Jednak, is um went over on his ankle quite early on in that second half, yeah. and you could see he could barely walk. But well, John, it it, it does it's exactly what I said. It's the spirit of the man and the spirit of the team, isn't it, to carry on through that. Yeah, I mean, there's two parts to it. One, he didn't make a big deal out of it because I didn't even notice at the time. I've got to say, I had no idea until I watched it back last night that he was even injured. Um, but it was his comments after the game that you'd have had to literally dragged him off that pitch. And that's what we come to expect from Jednak. And that, that is why he is player of the year above someone who went to Man United for 15 million and someone who scored 31 goals this season. That is the reason why he is the player of the year. And he's probably the most important player we have. And the fact that, you know, we, we've gone up means we're going to keep hold of him, I should think. Whereas mm. I think, had, had we not, I think he would have been on his way, deservedly so, to a Premier League side. I mean, I know Man United fans who, who said that, you know, they think he'd be mustard for them. Mm. And um, that shows the class that he's got. Yeah, I was interested to hear Sean Dyche on the um, uh, Sky Sports. Stone Cold uh, Sean Dyche. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> talk about um, he loves to talk about Opta stats, and he was talking about how Yedinax are um, our top passer in our Opta stats, which I wasn't aware of, which I thought was quite an interesting situ- uh, thing to realise, really. Because that um, doesn't surprise me a lot, though. You know, because if you think about how many times he drops between those two centre backs and they give him the ball, and then he mm-hmm. starts something, and then it comes back to him. And then he, he starts something again. Uh, it really didn't surprise me, that statistic. But yeah, I did hear what, what Sean Dyche was saying. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that the one thing we were worried about when he first joined was his passing. And, um, well, I mean, that's come on leaps and bounds, isn't it, really? No, it has, so that's the um, midfield puppet master now, John. You say, that's how you're describing him. He's you know, pulling all the strings for us. Well, he basically he basically does. He offers the the, the defence in front of the, the two centre-backs. But, you know, as captain, he's basically directing play. And the fact that he's able to make the passes to direct the play is exactly the role that he's assumed. And um, it's one that he's thrived in. Um, OK, I thought you guys were going to carry on talking about that. But obviously not. <laughs> we're going to call Peter Ramage in a little while but, um, say that again there's nothing more to say on Jednak really legend no but I was going to say I mean, yeah. what, what you kind of what you kind of mentioned was um, it's, it's the how how far from the player that we signed and when we when we looked at him you thought you know okay he's going to get a better but you know how good's he going to actually get kind of thing and I never thought in my wildest dreams that he'd ever get to that level do you know what I mean I never thought that mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we're talking about um, Vidra earlier on, how you know he was voted Championship Player of the Season. Incredible. But, I mean, obviously, we're biased, and we only see we only, we only see Palace games when we see anything else. But I've not seen anyone go any, get anywhere near the level of performance of Mila Jednak. And it's no surprise that, you know, one game against Stoke, and Stoke, Stoke were after him. It's no surprise that Harry Redknapp was uh, optimistically watching him. <laughs> um, Absolutely, you know what I, mean? I, th- I think it says a lot, though, that you know, for unfortunately, some of the information that's really given out by by some, you know, some parts of the media that he didn't even make it into the team of the year. 
I mean, yeah. for me, he could have easily been the best player in that league. Didn't even make it into the team of the year because he's not in a glamorous position. We had Balassi, who for me, he had a very good start to the season. Then wasn't, you know, went off to the boil a bit in the second half. Um, Zaha, who had really up and down, so he started very well, finished very well. The middle was a bit iffy. And of Murray, who, well, he deserved to be there. He was phenomenal all season. But the most consistent performer we had was, was Jedinak. And he, he didn't yeah. make it in the team of the year because he, he plays a really unglamorous position, which unless you watch him week in, week out, you don't, you don't appreciate it. It's the same way I had the same appreciation for Sean Derry. Um, Nick, very quickly, you wanted to mention Balassi. Yeah, we, um, when, once we got to the point where we had no subs left, was anybody worried that we weren't going to see the introduction of Balassi? Because I, I thought it might be the game he finally scores from one of his thunderous shots. Um, if anybody else was a bit worried. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the the substitution um, on uh, well for Stuart O'Keefe coming on for, for KG. Obviously, it was was the reason we didn't see Balassi, um because we didn't have yeah. that spare change to make. But yeah, I was, and I, I think he also deserved it. I've just noticed we've just lost John. Unfortunately, I wanted to bring him in on this, but anyway, we've got Alberts back from getting himself a beer by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, um, but I, I think yeah. I, I thought the game, as the game opened up, especially when you're going into extra time, as we did, that's when, if you you can imagine bringing on that sort of pace and direct running, it, as people are tiring, that's that was a kind of, almost thought that was our game plan. So to not have that, yeah, I was absolutely worried. Albert? Yeah, it's the first thing that crossed my mind when KG went off and obviously O'Keefe came on. You know, I, t- I turned to my brother and my dad, I said, well, that means either one of Phillips, Balassi or Moritz isn't going to make it onto the pitch. And, uh, you know, obviously it's only 10 minutes into the game, but you sort of think, you know, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't need to bring on Kevin Phillips because we'll be 3-0 up after 12 minutes sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, it was a shame that one of them had to miss out, really. And because, again, you know, Balassi came on at Brighton and, you know, really did change the game. you just got to look at the assist for Wilf's first goal to see, you know, what he can pull out of the bag, you know, regardless of whether his shooting's erratic or not. Um mm. But yeah, I feel sorry for him because, like I said, you know, he, he he was instrumental in getting us to the final in context of you know that one second leg against Brighton. Um, but you know, I'm sure he's happy that we've gone up. That's the main thing. Absolutely. Listen, he's 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 um, he's played his part, as have a lot of the players. You know, even from from the likes of of Matt Parsons, who's played one game, or you know, or or Ramage, who's found himself out of the team recently but's played something like forty of, of forty six in the league or something like that. But you know, every single player's played their part and they can't play all play every single second of every single game. Um so uh, it's you know, you win as a team, don't you, is it as much as you lose as a team. Exactly. But, but um I mean just finally just to sort of sum up the game and before we, we ring ring Rambo. Um in the in extra time we still dominated uh, and, and there were for me there were two well sorry, three real key moments. So I'm gonna mention them all since we're, since we need to move this on, um, and we'll just have a quick chat about that. Uh, the first being Spironi's save from Troy Deeney. Um, how he did that, again, it's almost as good as the... Um, that is probably better than the, the save from Ashley Barnes in the in just before we scored our first goal. That, in the away that Spider-Man shit, that's how I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it really was, and it... He's he's going the opposite direction to Deeney. Deeney's just nicked the ball away, and all he has to do is almost roll it into the net, and then this hand just appears and just bats the ball away. It's just... And the the power that he gets onto the 
you know, mm. flicking the ball away, you know, regardless yeah. of, it's, all right, it's fair enough, you know, getting, getting into that position, but the fact that he really does clear the ball with real venom is, it's, no matter how many times you watch it, it just doesn't get any less impressive. No, absolutely not. Uh, then the sort of, the, obviously the next moment, that's key in that that extra time period is, and it, it's at such an amazing time to score as well because it's it's the death of the first half of extra time and obviously Wilf as he had been it's just been tormenting the Watford defence and just absolutely just oh, I can't remember his name is it Gassetti or something Gassetti. yeah absolutely did him a treat once more and, and in the perfect position as well and you know he just sticks a leg out Wilf Wilf was fouled absolutely you know. Absolutely, Absolutely, yeah. Obvious, you know. You could see by his own reaction, he was pretty much in tears when he made the challenge. And Kevin Phillips, absolutely no mistake from that penalty, was there? Fantastic, fantastic penalty, Nick. Yeah, he smashed it, didn't he? Um, you know, he could have done it with his eyes shut. I think um, Almunia nearly got to it, but um, it was just too powerful for him. And I think it was the perfect person to take the penalty. You know, he's he's felt that pressure before, and. Um, did it with a plum, didn't he? Absolutely smashed yeah, it. Yeah, no, did, and I don't think there's ever a, ever a doubt. I really don't. Um, and the final final moment I just want to mention, which I'll get your view on now, but as good as a guy, isn't it? Ward's clearance off the line. Oh, it's f- fantastic. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously being right at the other end of it, you sort of you don't really get a sense of perspective of how close it was to going in. But when you see the replay, you know it's. Yeah, it's great. I have to say, I did that once in a Sunday league game, and uh, even that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> and but I thought it was really nice to see that there were two. There was Gabadon and Ward both back on the line at that stage. They're both switched on enough to know just how vital it is. You know, it, it, I just, I just couldn't, could not. It's just, it's just great positional awareness, isn't it? And you know, good team shape. You know, obviously, obviously, it being a goal up, the team are more naturally inclined to get men behind the ball and mm. you know and defend. But often that can result in just headless chicken people running around trying to clear the ball like a school team. But to have that sort of awareness, just to you know, set, you know it's almost like dropping off for a header, you know, in an attacking free kick, just to take yourself out of the game almost and just yeah. stand on the line in a, quite a very specific area of the goal. Um, it's, yeah, it's great. All credit to him. Yeah, and, and like I say, not long after that, this, the, the, fi- the final whistle goes, and you know we're we're a Premier League side. And we want to talk about the aftermath of that. I'm just going to let Nick go, but just on that sort of topic, uh, who do you want first game of the season? I'd quite like first game of the season to be Tottenham at home. Then we'll know we've arrived. Why are you saying yeah, that? With the one we can voice. win. Yeah, you're no, using it's, your... it's Premiership, <laughs> isn't it, mate? Premiership. <laughs> Did anybody see that picture of the Tottenham celebration cake that had been reduced in price three times? <laughs> yeah, I think that one, that, that one does come out a lot, doesn't it? But yeah, no, it's, it's made me laugh. Um, yeah, I quite like well, Spurs. Yeah. Just to know yeah. we've sort of arrived, but have a team that we know we can beat. Yeah, we do beat them quite a lot, especially at home, don't we? I don't know when the last time they beat us at Selhurst was, but I get the feeling it's it's been some time. But anyway, thanks for your time, mate. Um, yep. Got other people up coming the up. Palace. Yeah, up the and, Palace. Um, well done, Nick. Say well done to uh, Ramage for me. I will, yeah, of course. Well, not for right. you specifically, but... Yeah, personally. Say so Nick Gossett says, well done. No, I'm not going to do that. You're going to have All to right, go. fair enough. Bye, See later. <laughs> and uh, Barney's joined us. Well, he's joining us as we speak. Um, hi, Barney. Good evening. How are you, all right? I'm all right. We're going to ring Peter Ramage, though, if that's all right. Yeah, just... yeah. Hello? 
Hello, Rambo. It's uh, Chris Hamblin on Hull Radio. Hi, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Rambo! Very good. <laughs> Very good, thank you. Fantastic. That chant was uh, Albert in the background of all time. <laughs> Barney with me. Rambo! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, we've just gotten to the point where we want to talk and start talking about the, the final whistle going and the celebrations, so that's an ideal time to talk to yourself, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, on the bench, but obviously you've played your part all season, you know that. Um, when that final whistle went, how did it feel? Uh, it was, I don't know, it was weird because it was just, you know, all that we've worked for, just kind of realising the dream that had come true. It, uh, you know, it just, it, it was it was just a surreal moment, to be honest. Uh, something I've never really experienced Uh and, you know, I mean, I was part of the QPR t- squad when we went up, although I didn't play, so I didn't really feel part of it. But to actually feel part of this uh, this achievement, it was, it was it's something I don't think, I, I don't think you can really describe. It's hard to describe how I felt and how we all felt. It just, I think, uh, emotions kind of ran over a, a bit. And it was just, you know, like I said, sort of seven, eight, nine long months of hard work and uh, just sort of paid off. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, from from being in the crowd and and that final whistle, I I think I had some. It was I think there's hay fever. I think basically when you celebrated, like a lot of pollen got into the air and my eyes just started to water. But like, I mean, I, I had, I had as well. Yeah, I know lots of people had that all around. But I mean, for us, we were we were shell shocked in the crowd as well. But I think what made it is being able to look down onto that pitch and see the sort of joy on the faces of you guys as well because really felt you know we really felt like some togetherness with you like it meant that's the point where we you know we as supporters know it means you know more even probably more to you than it does to us if anything it's yeah I mean you guys are the ones who support the club and help support them when we leave but you know for us as a professional it's it's what you dream for and it's what you well the games like yesterday are what you what you why you want to be a footballer and and why you you know you work so hard and make so much so many sacrifices to to get to live days like we did we lived yesterday uh, yesterday and you know I think when like I said when the final whistle went it just it was just realising a dream I mean most of the more well, some of the boys have experienced promotions and and winning trophies and things like that but I think just the way that we all are together and how close we are as a group you know there's no clicks there's nobody goes off and does their own thing we all you know, socialise outside of the uh, the dressing room together and everything, and everybody's you know in it together. And I think that's what made it even more special yesterday. That you know, we all we all achieved it. You know, whether we they played one game or every single game, everybody played their part. And I think that's what uh, what made it so sweet, and that everybody was there to enjoy it as well. Did you um obviously the way the game was going? Obviously, the first half was pretty even, but obviously. The- the boys just took control as more the game went on. Um, you know, that's well, that's my view anyway. Was there a point where you thought because we're not converting the chances, because it's going to be one of those games where, you know, we we, we might we might end up losing this from a position of dominance? Did you ever worry? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you do because there there are a lot of games. Watford are been a breath of fresh air for the championship. You know, the way they play football and they're always a threat. And you know, I think we've seen glimpses of what they could do uh, against us, certainly in the first. Uh, the first half, but uh, the moment for me that just knew that we were going to win it was when Jules made that unbelievable save. Uh, just think right at the beginning of extra time, I just sensed it was just it was just going to be our day because everything you know, KG going off after 
you know, 10 minutes or something like that, you know, they've been written off at Brighton and even written off yesterday. It just, it just kind of, kind of just seemed that it was, it was destiny for us to, to achieve, the, to achieve sort of winning the game. And, and when Jules made that save, you know, I was sitting next to, to young Johnny and Yara, and we both, you know, we all looked at each other and said, this is going to be us. We just need one chance. And, you know, luckily, Wilf, a bit of Wilf magic, and uh, the old man stepped up and, and, and does what he does best and uh, <laughs> wins games. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'd, um, I'd heard, well, Keith Millen had said it on another uh, uh, fan podcast, Five Year Plan. It said um, basically that Wilf had been on abs- absolutely on fire in training. You could see from his reaction and the questions that were asked to him that it really did mean that much to him. But, you know, how, how had he been sort of in the in leading up to the final? He'd just been Wilf. You know, we turned up to Wembley on, uh, what was it, Sunday. He looked around and said, yeah, this is all right, isn't it? It's not a bad place. <laughs> Then he turned around and was like, what time is kick-off tomorrow then? He was just oblivious, it's, but that's just Wilf and that's why we love him. He just, he kind of, he's a common influence on us lot because he just keeps you entertained and, you know, I, I think it did. It, you know, it means a lot to to everybody. Uh, but, I mean, I think it's extra special to him because he's come through the ranks. He's been there since he was, I don't know, 10-year-old, something like that. And to have come all the way through and obviously going off to, to realise a dream and playing for the best club in the world. And, but to, to leave... To leave a hero, you know, he's left a legacy now, which I don't, you know, it's going to be hard, hard uh, or big shoes to fill. Um, and I was delighted for him, uh, just as I was for anybody, everybody else, that, you know, he, he stepped up to the plate yesterday when there was a lot of question marks, uh, questions um, put, put against his ability and, you know, 50 million's too much for a guy who's not playing in the Prem and things like that. And, you know, he's the, bright, the second half of Brighton, he was magnificent and, uh, yesterday as well, just from start to finish, they couldn't handle him, and no. I think it was fitting that he that he contributed to us going up and, and getting the penalty. Well, it's it's great to hear. How, I mean, you've mentioned it there. How obviously you're 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 so pleased with him. I'm sure the whole squad are, and it's another example of that that sort of togetherness and that unity. And I know Barney's got a question on that, Barney. Yeah, first of all, Rambo, congratulations, mate. Well done Thank you, for mate. Uh, all your contributions over the season and uh, all well-deserved. And really kind of what's shone out for me this season is just the unbelievable team spirit. You know, there's been games where I think, we've, you know, you guys have gone off in the first half and perhaps haven't played the best football of your life, but have, have come out second half and absolutely obliterated the opposite. Uh, the opposition. How important has that team spirit been um, in the changing room? And is that is that the thing that's going to potentially keep you guys going for next year? I know maybe a bit soon to ask, but, you know, how important is that? Massively. Um, you know, you've seen it at QPR this season and, and what's, what happens when you don't have that unity in the dressing room. Um, and as is the total opposite. Uh, it's just everybody's together, everybody's, everybody's a mate, you know. You don't get on with everybody in the dressing room. Um mm. It's, that's just natural as you don't get in on anybody in any walk of life uh, in any sort of working environment but we actually do we get on you know we get on we, we all respect each other we all want to go that extra mile for each other if need be and I think that's what has got us ultimately up is just I mean we're not, we're not the most talented group of players we're not the most you know uh, haven't played the best football probably all season but we've you know when it when it's come to the crunch, we've all stepped up and, and everybody's played their part and I think that's a uh, testament to you know the togetherness that we have in the group. And it comes from the gaffer as well and, and Keith and, 
uh, and the other staff, uh, they all try to keep us together and things like that. You know, we all eat together when we go away and things like that. Everything's done as a team because at the end of the day, you you need each other on the pitch. So you got to you got to sort of work yeah. together off it. Right, right. I mean, just kind of you you said you just mentioned the gaffer there, Ollie. What what sort of impact does he have? You know, in these situations, he's been there before, obviously. You know, is is he really that calming influence? You feel and. How does he kind of influence that team spirit? He's he's just the the epitome of what we've uh, <laughs> of what of everything. He's just he's an unbelievable character. He's I, I mean his knowledge of football is second to none. And I think there was a lot of question marks put towards uh, put against him. You know, after we got battered at Brighton three 0 you know people were were coming for him. And I think he's turned around, he's turned uh, a few people's heads on. Uh, and you know, shoved a few words down a few people's throats because yeah. he's been brilliant. It's it's just brilliant to work with him. He's his knowledge on the game. I mean, we went to Brighton and battered them, and nobody expected that. We've come up against a, a, one of the probably the best footballing team in the championship, and we've outfoxed them tactically and uh, and physically as well, which you know not a lot of teams have done this season. And it's... yeah, okay, it went to it went the extra time, but he got he got his substitution spot on. He got everything spot on on the day and. He was probably the main reason why we won yesterday. Obviously, he had to uh, react in terms of substitutions. He had to react to the injury to, to, to KG. But you're right, and I'm sure that affected the game plan. But I'm interested to see how um, you say tactically we out, we outdid them, and we absolutely did. Was a lot of the focus on on stopping them playing in in certain areas? Yeah, we spent uh, we spent the whole two weeks on uh, on looking at how we can you know stop them from from playing and uh, nullifying their threats and. He got everything spot on yesterday. He was it was he was a genius on on how he uh, he managed to to get us all comfortable in, in doing what we we needed to do and um, it, it was just everything just seemed to work to yesterday and you know obviously KG coming off was a uh, everybody I think you know thought, oh god because he's been one of our main players this season he he was a massive loss but you know he tactically got it right in bringing uh, Stuart Keefe on who was arguably one of our best players on the park when he came on and that's just the faith that the gaffer's got in this group that he can they can put the lad on that hasn't really played all season and he's come up trumps and his decision's been totally uh, totally justified no okay you're right about Stuart O'Keefe absolutely brilliant we, we saw him say he didn't really he's really played this season but in, in the cup run of, of the season before he was sensational and yeah. it's great great to see him return to form um, I've got a, a Albert's got a question for you I'm always slightly nervous of allowing Albert to talk to anyone but let's see, let's see what happens Albert <laughs> alright Rambo I was just wondering did you find it hard getting motivated when there wasn't a steaming turd in the middle of the dressing room at Wembley <laughs> there, when there wasn't what sorry it just woke That's up there a steaming turd in the middle of the dressing room. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, there's a few things that've been said about that, but what happened down there will stay. will stay in the dressing room quite literally. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot, a lot, a lot's been said about that incident, but you know, it's uh, that's gone, that's forgotten. Um, you know, it's it's not something more we really want on, to talk on about. A more, on a more serious note, what, how is there a was there a different way of sort of mentally preparing for a final, or is it you know do you have to look at it? It's just another game. Um, well, it is. No, it's not another game, really, is it? Because of course, what, yeah, well, I mean, we know that. But do you have to? Oh yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's, so your, your mentality is different. It does change. I mean, my, me and mother woke up at six o'clock and. Uh, 
like yesterday morning, just talking about it. That I hardly got a, we hardly got a wink of sleep. You know, we both sort of looked over each other and said, like, come on, let's get this game going, let's get going. And, and that's it's just the, the enormity of the game and what was at stake. You do you do have to sort of prepare differently, um, mentally anyway, but, you know, we, we spent more time tactically trying to, to stop Watford. Um, and it all goes, you know, all the normal rituals sort of go out the window and it is a, a big focus on, on trying to just win this one game and uh, because at the end of the day, the prize is the prize is the best prize in the world. It's a chance to pit your wits against it, some of the best players that's uh, that's on the planet. When you were on last time, you talked about that as, as being a main motivation for the for the likes of yourself and and certainly Damien Delaney. Um, I've got to ask you again. Obviously, I, I don't want to pry into to something that's sort of dressing room stays in dressing room kind of thing, but obviously pictures that sort of went round the well round the globe really of, of Damien sort of overcome with emotion at the end and, and you talking to him. Um well what was I mean what was what was the what was it mainly about? Obviously it's it's the result uh, it was just a we both been we both been through a lot in my career, um and more so than me what happened with the mid Ipswich and you know, we both have had our critics over the last couple of months and uh, it was just, I think, he just broke down just the sheer drainage of, of energy, everything had been, he left everything on that pitch yesterday, he was an absolute yeah. man mountain, and I think it just, uh, it, it just emotionally just went, um, having been given everything, and we just kind of, he just broke down, but we just had a chat, you know, it's it's just, you know, sometimes the good guys do, uh, do get the... Uh, do get what they deserve, and you know he's he's been there. He's been there for me uh, many a time, and I was just there for him yesterday and when he needed it. No, it was great to see. Uh, didn't because he was at the time where everyone was up uplifting the trophy up. Did he make it up the stairs? Or did he... Yeah, yeah. Well, it was just we we, we walked up first. I think with oh. Amelia walked up to get it, and then obviously you know a couple of us went one side and a couple went the other side. And to be honest, we both just looked at each other and like just said, "Oh, come on, let's make our way down." To be honest, I wanted to get down so I can get a drink in my hand. I was, I was gagging, <laughs> but uh, he was, uh, yeah. We just we didn't realise that all the boys were still up there, sort of lifting the trophy. We were just waiting for them to come back down, and he just sat down and just broke down. And it was just one of those, one of those moments where uh, I didn't really, I did. To be honest, I didn't even realise there was a camera sort of behind us yeah. uh, filming it, but. It was just a, it was a nice moment between the two of us, to be honest. Yeah, for us, it was it's going to be it's an iconic image. You know, it's something that we'll remember from the day. You know, certainly the people who sat at home and watched it, but it was up on the big screen in the stadium as well mm-hmm. at the time. So, for us, yeah, I mean that that kind of it's almost one. It's one of those images that will sum up the day, and it's a day we'll talk about for years to come. Yeah. And again, you mentioned that yourself. You mentioned you know the drive before of of trying to. You know, have your pictures up on the walls at the, at the training ground and what have you, and all those sorts yeah. of things. And, and you, you can't, you well, you've done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a nice little montage of of all this uh, of the successful players and, and moments that Palace have had over the years in the training ground. And the gaffer made a point of that uh, the other day when we trained at the trained at the ground. He tried to name the team that won, I think, the 2004. It'll be mm. right when Shipley scored the winner. You know, we try to name the team, and you wanted us to be. You know, us to be written up there in a few years' time. Whenever something, you know, if there's another occasion where we, uh, you know, maybe get promoted or win cups or things like that, and you know, another memorable day in in Palace's history for us to be sort of, sort of our names to be on the wall. And um 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think that's just what it was all about, trying to be, trying to make yourself sort of heroes for the day that people are going to be able to talk to about, you know, in 5, 10, 15, however many years' time. And, uh, you know, thankfully, we've, well, hopefully we will have done that for yeah. uh, well, none of you have done that. Yeah, none of you left ever have to buy your own pint in and around. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if you ever see a Palace fan, you'll always you'll always get a drink. But um, yeah, uh, well, I mean, obviously the, the the obvious question is is what did you guys get up to last night in celebration? Poor, oh, it was a good night. I put it that way. It was a very good night. We what did you um, have for breakfast. You what? Sorry. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast? Oh uh, well, that was to be fair. We we were scratching around trying to find somewhere else to go, and there was a cafe open, so we just thought, oh, I thought that we'll go in and have a ca- like a breakfast. You know, there's people walking to work, and we're just so coming in and our dancing gear and whatnot. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was it was quite funny to be fair. We all sat there having egg, eggs benedicts and chips and a cup of tea. There was no alcohol drunk. That was the stupid thing. You know, talking about us celebrating, we're all having cups of tea. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, that was quite funny to see you that. You've but... made it to the Premier League when you're eating eggs Benedict. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> to be fair, that was Wardy. Wardy treat us all, so it was uh, it was a nice touch with him. Uh, but uh, <laughs> now we we went back to the hotel after the game, um, and everybody was there from you know the boardroom to the to the playing staff. We were all there, and we all had a good time. And um, you know, we left sort of in the early hours of the morning. Once uh, people started to leave, we us boys went out and had a a bit of a celebration amongst ourselves. Uh, some went to bed, boring sods, but most of us <laughs> went out. Yeah. And uh, are you still feeling it now? No, to be fair, that food sorted me right out. It, uh, <laughs> I woke up this morning, I have a little bit of a fuzzy head, but uh, got on the train, got back down, and I've uh, I spent the day with the, the missus and the little one. We're just packing up. We're, uh, we're going back up home to Newcastle tomorrow for, for a few weeks, and... Uh, so I had to, I had to have a straight head for that. Yeah. Okay, obviously you've got, you know, you've got a bit of time off now. But um, I suppose that the obvious question is, what's the future hold for you? If you can, uh, just well, the immediate future is just to go and relax and enjoy the the summer, uh, and have a chat with the the manager in the club about where to go next. Um, I hope to be part of it. Uh, I hope to be part of his plans, and we'll just uh, take from there. But to be honest, it's. I just want to savour yesterday and savour this whole season and uh, enjoy a bit of time with the family and, and my friends and get a few games of golf. Uh, yeah. The weather doesn't start. Well, the weather hopefully starts brightening up. So that's yeah, all I'm looking forward to at the minute. And and come what may, when uh, hopefully when the manager manager decides what he wants to do with us. Yeah, well, well, look, we can understand that. We're, we're the same. These moments don't come on come around too often. Certainly, for, not for ourselves. Um, and you just what you do, or you want to make the most of every single second of it. So, look, I mean, just 
obviously, congratulations, first of all. Um, obviously, want to thank you for your, for your efforts for the rap season. And obviously, our congratulations to the rest of the lads as well. And, um, I appreciate that. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And um, well, we really, really hope you're, hope you're around next season. Hopefully. <laughs> Take Fingers care, crossed. Cheers, Rambo. Appreciate Cheers, it. Jen. Rambo. Cheers, mate. Have a good Rambo. summer. Bye now. Bye now. Bye. See you soon. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Fantastic stuff. Can't thank oh I can hear myself. What's happened there? <laughs> can't thank uh, can't thank Rambo enough for that because you know obviously it's the, the the day after the celebrations. He, you know I'm sure he's um sure he's still knackered and wanting to spend some time with his family. So obviously hopefully that was interesting for you at home. It was fascinating to hear. Um, I, I got a little bit emotional during it to be quite honest with you. So. Hmm. So, guys, well, Barney, you haven't given us uh, your view. Did you actually go to the game, Barney? Did you watch it at home? No, I was there. I was there at Wembley. Got there nice and early, and uh, soaked it all up. And you know, it's just uh, I, I think I'm still in cloud nine over it. It was just an absolutely fantastic day out. Um, you know, you just have to you have to kind of give credit to the organisers, and I think everything was just was just absolutely brilliant and. Yeah, I expect you've already done your in-depth analysis of the game, have you? We we have, but we've got plenty more to talk about, I'll, um, <laughs> which we'll come to in a second. Obviously, we've just heard Peter Remish talk to us about the the aftermath of that game, and that's kind of where we're going to focus now. But we will get some of your uh, your views on the actual match itself as well. But um, obviously, you know, if you love Rambo as much as we do, five-year plan of still doing uh, Rambo t-shirts. It's fiveyearplanfanzine.co.uk. Head there, head to the shop. Um, they're fantastic T-shirts. I think, well, I've seen plenty around the place. So hopefully, they're, um, hopefully there's enough for you in all sizes. But just get get ordering, and uh, you're, it's an appropriate tribute to a to a great great player who's contributed a huge amount to what is an amazing season. <clears throat> That's a good plug, wasn't it? it? Actually, worked for a change. Smooth. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, thanks. You've been mm. practicing that, have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it. And everything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's been the right, Premier League. If you're thinking about it. Yeah, well, exactly. Listen, we got up our game, mate. We're going to be we're a Premier League radio show now. Remember that? Uh, yeah. Does that mean yeah. my wages have been doubled? I have. Yep. Trebled, in fact. Trebled. Blimey. Yes. Yeah. What's, what's nothing times three? Yeah. Well, yeah. You got it. <laughs> but they're going to uh, go down if we get relegated next season. So watch yourself. Uh, hey, there's none of that. None of that here. Um. All right. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask. Because uh, Wilf Wilf got awarded Man of the Match um, by the the by Sky basically. So Barney, um, well, who was your Man of the Match? Well, interesting, really. Um, I thought I thought Wilf was fantastic. Obviously, he just ran rings around them. It was just it was just made for him. On it, it just it, you could tell why he's going to be going to Man United, the, you know, next season, and uh, he literally was a league above the rest. I thought Sproni was just unbelievable. I mean, you, I think I just caught um, Albert just at the back end, just sort of talking about when you actually saw those saves that he made at the end. Um, you don't realise how close we, they were to scoring, and you know he was just so solid. And you know things like when the way that he was communicating with his defence. Um, you know, ten minutes to go and extra time, and the defence are just casually heading the ball back to him. He just seemed to breathe an air of confidence in into uh, into that back four, which I think you know, which held them. 
Uh, I have to say that I thought, just for Watford, I thought Almunia was, was absolutely fantastic for them. I thought in the second half we could have been 4-0 up within about 10 minutes. So um, I thought Sproni was... And then Jed and... I, 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 I could probably... if. I could probably reel the whole team to be honest with you, yeah. but I thought Jed and that was fantastic as well. He just again he had an air of confidence. We were a bit nervous, I thought, in the first first half, and I think we can all put a hand on our heart and say it wasn't exactly the the best game of football in the first half, but I think what won it was that back four just breed bred really just an air of confidence to everybody to say, Look, just go out there, enjoy yourselves. If you muck up, mm-hmm. we're we're right behind you, you know. So and I think that stems really from Sproni and Jed and no, I, 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 yeah, I'm the same as Joe. I really do struggle because Wilf, Wilf had the um, had the moments that you were kind of remember. You know, some of his footwork getting past players, and again, I think we, it, I think perhaps because I was surprised basically because I thought it was going to go to Jednak. Um, I actually thought O'Keefe had a really good shout at man in the match. Yeah, that was a great. I really did. Really nice. I thought, because yeah. because I suppose because you understand the circumstances that he hasn't really played, and no. you know, just to come in and do what he did, I thought was just. Oh, it's just sensational. But I, I think we're spoilt with Wilf in that we see him do these things all the time. But if you go back and watch that game and you watch how often he's beaten two and three players mm. and then think to yourself, how often do I watch a game of football and there's a player on there regularly beating two or three players? And it's just, it's not. We are spoilt and we are going to miss that guy. Yeah. I uh, and I, I've been I've been reading like online Man United fans saying it's, it, Wilf's overrated. How the arrogance of that—they don't deserve him. They really don't because no, no, he—he he's, he's, he can go in that team and he can make an impact. Now, yes, he's got a degree of naivety sometimes with decision making. It's because he's twenty years old. But you look at him now—he's—he's he's physically he's a big guy now. You know, people bounce off him. They have been for for about a season now. Just I just remember like the start of the start of this season in pre-season where players just used to. I think I can't remember what game it was. It was something like Aldershot or something like that. A defender went to clatter him and just bounced away. And I thought then, uh, you know, we're in for a good season from Wilf. And mm. I just, I just do not see anyone do the things that he does. Not just not anymore. And uh, I'm getting a little bit, you know, it's now sort of dawning on me how how hard it's going to be to sort of bridge that gap, if you like. That yeah. I uh, so so I so I've got to say I, I agree with Sky and, and giving it to Wilf and, and but that doesn't mean it wasn't a fantastic team display and that every single one of them wasn't a hero because they all were. Um, Albert. Yeah, it's it's too, it's too hard to pick. So I, I'm just going to pick a, a left field choice and say O'Keefe, just like you like you mentioned for the circumstances in which he had to step up to the plate. Um, you know, not played a lot. And you know, coming on a, in front of eighty eighty odd thousand people in a game that's worth one hundred and twenty million pounds, he looked like he played that position for you know all season. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's tough. Everyone played their part. I'm going to go O'Keefe. Mm. Okay, but no, listen, I can understand that. Obviously, I mentioned, mentioned him what I was saying as well. Yeah, he, he, he does deserve a, a special mention, and he's your man of the match. So be it. I can understand. Uh, Hmm, where to go next, really? I suppose when Barney's just mentioned that, well, we, we did talk about the um, the fans, Barney, but you want to say that we did outsing Watford, you're quite right. I, I just thought um, I had a couple of I had a couple of mates in the uh, in the Watford end, and um, they said they couldn't hear their own fans. They were just they were just blown away by uh, the Palace fans, and I think that's just incredible to go to a stadium like Wembley, where we used to sell us Park every week, and to absolutely go could go to Wembley like we did and absolutely batter the hell out of it 
it's just quite frankly unbelievable. And I think when the players came out, saw all those balloons, everybody just going nuts. It was just incredible. And I, I like, I, I know, I, although it was that the eleven men on the on the pitch that won it, I just think there was definitely a twelfth man there because. I mean, when you've got the opposition turning around saying, you know what, fair enough, boys, you absolutely outsung us that day. Um, yeah. I think that's just, I think that's just so credible. I think people listening in and who have been, you know, to the game or been to a home and away games all season, I think just give yourselves a massive pat on the back because I, I don't think we realise how unbelievably passionate and brilliant we are at, at the stadium. So, um, just like to say, a, a massive. Thank you and well done to everybody because it certainly made my day looking around at everybody just going absolutely nuts for it. No, that's, that's, it's great to hear that that point of view. I read um, I read through um, uh, some, a Watford forum earlier. I always like to do it. It's not necessarily gloating, although I guess some of it is, but I always like to read the opposition's point of view and often Brighton's point of view as well. I like to read that. <laughs> that's been particularly enjoyable. Um, apparently, they're going to get Dennis Bergkamp as a manager, they think, today. But we'll see about yeah, that. Right. So anyway... Um, but yeah, I looked at the Watford, and there's a huge for, uh, thread on, on one of their forums about about their supporters, and they're essentially just laying into each other, saying it was pathetic, and too many people sat down, and there were you know scuffles between them. Although I did see a couple of scuffles in the Palace end, unfortunately, relating to people sitting and standing, which is always a shame. That's a bigger issue, bigger issue, isn't it? Um, whether you're allowed, whether or not to allow standing at games, in my view, it should be, should have the choice. But there we go. That's a completely different thing I was lucky enough to be um, by a, a section that enabled me to stand so I was quite happy but um, yeah so uh, but like I said I was saying earlier that it was weird because uh, yeah we were we were much much louder than, than Watford and I'm so happy that they could hit and some of them described us as deafening at times and it's weird for me because I mean I could I suppose I'm probably again I'm spoiled because going away all the time you know literally every away game is it's you know, the, the noise is much more intense and because we were so spread out and because there are pockets of people singing and pockets of people who don't know the songs or pockets of people who are just sitting down and there for the day out, you just, you know, it didn't feel quite as intense as I kind of thought it would. But but when, again, having, having heard it back on the TV, even though it's they seem to have the mics turned down for it, um, for the crowd noise, it I, you know, it's impressive. And especially at the end, in the celebrations... We can hear from the they've write down on the pitch talking to Glenn Murray and when everyone was singing along uh, to let it be for him I thought that that's an incredibly emotional moment it's really really nice um, again I'd attack a hay fever at that point as well so. <laughs> <laughs> you need some Benadryl I do yeah yeah you're going to have to sort that for next season I am um, yeah I won't go anywhere without some antihistamines don't worry good but, um, yeah no let's say that was that was you know, it was nice. Again, it shows that team spirit, doesn't it? Especially the bit where they all went in a line and they ran, and you had Glenn on the floor holding the trophy up, um, and that sort of stuff. That was, yeah, that was great to see as well. But um, a uh, little word for Johnny Williams in those celebrations as well. I've never seen anyone jump so much in my life. He was just bouncing around. It was, um, you know, it means a lot to him. But he just yeah, never ceases to amuse me. Just how excited he gets with um, with stuff like that. But massive beaming smile on his face, and you think that you know, this point in his career. Uh, to you know, have a playoff win- final winners medal and and to, to lift that trophy and to play in front of a crowd like that, you know, he's just going to go from strength to strength and he'll, you know, he'll he'll take a lot of experience from that as as Bill Wolf, I suppose. But but we've at least still got Johnny next year, which is which is always good. Um, interesting. Uh, one one point actually, obviously Barney, get your view. He 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 played pretty well, didn't he? But um, 
replacing him with Phillips, I suppose tactically, you got to say that was a, that was a bit of a masterstroke. But uh, what was your view on Williams' performance? Well, you know, it was. I thought it was going to be the classic, um, you know, Williams off, uh, Balassi on, but obviously with um, KG going off um, so early on, I thought Williams just played again. Just a few of them just seemed to have a real air of confidence about them, and the first half. Um, both teams were a little bit static and I have to admit I looked at Zaha and Williams um, and I was actually sat with kind of just two neutrals and they both commented and said look these guys are just switching Watford don't know what they're doing with them they just seem to have a little bit of energy about them and it they just seemed to be quite innocent in what they were doing it was just you could just tell that Holloway I don't know but it just felt like Holloway just said look boys Forget about forget about the occasion. Just go and have fun out there because they looked like they were playing football with a smile on their face. Um, and Williams was just doing his usual cutting in, causing havoc, chasing back, and just being that little sort of terrier that he he seems to have developed into um, over the last season. Uh, you know, tactically, I think it paid off to to bring Phillips on because I, you know, when that penalty was taken, you know, thank God we had a player with Phillips caliber of the experience and the knowledge to take it because I think that's the only downside if if Phillips hadn't gone on I would have questioned who would have taken that penalty with such a cool head um, on the pitch as Phillips you know and um, thank God he did come on and it all worked yeah. out tactically just like Ramo, Ramo just said you know he said yeah. tactically we couldn't have got it any better yesterday no, it was. Yeah, you're right. It's absolutely vital. A penalty of that magnitude, you you just simply wouldn't want anyone else in our squad taking it. How cool was that penalty? It yeah, was it was the way he talked about it afterwards as well, which I thought was fascinating. And we got, oh, we're going to keep. We're going to. It's good that we, we brought this up because I'm going to carry on talking about Phillips after we talk about the penalty. And but I just thought he, he said he goes. I picked my spot, you know, and and it was always going to go there. Didn't he? Didn't care where the keeper went. Didn't think about a single thing. You know, he he took was it? It's only about two steps for the penalty. It's absolutely sensational to hit the ball that hard, that true, in under that much pressure. It, you know, it needed every one of those thirty nine years of experience. Well, he wasn't playing football as a toddler, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but um, it just he needed all that experience. It was just fantastic, fantastic penalty. It's one of those where I saw a few people who just wouldn't watch, but for me, I'd never thought he'd miss. I just I just saw it was Kevin Phillips, and I just thought, oh, brilliant. <laughs> There we go. Still celebrate like a maniac after he scored it, and still didn't really celebrate when it was awarded, which was quite an interesting thing. Not too many people sort of punched the air, but it was no jumping around like yeah. Was, everyone was new. It's that vital. We just need to see that hit the net before we start. You know, just took it so quick though. It was just like the whistle went, and I don't think he let any suspense build up to it. He just hit it, and it was like right, yeah. job done. Thanks very much. Cheers, boys. Yeah, yeah. I, I to be honest, with you, I can't remember him actually having any form of run-up. I think I literally turned away for a split second, looked back, and it was in the back of the net. I thought, that's he it. He didn't mess about. He didn't, no, he exactly. Didn't. Yeah. Um, talking of Kevin Phillips, he spoke at the end of the game, uh, clearly quite emotional. Um, you know, fourth time lucky for him in terms of going up. Um, the talk before he joined us was that it was his last season he'd be retiring. Um, Ian Holloway spoke to him already uh, when he joined and said that he wanted whatever happens, whatever division we're in, he wants him around and said the same thing after the game. He said he'll be signing him when he's 50 or 60 if he keeps banging the goals in, that sort of thing. But um, Phillips himself said, uh, you know, obviously he's aching a bit and just wants a rest. Uh, and then, you know, it might be his last game. And in some ways, could, well, Albert, can you understand that maybe um, finishing with, with a promotion 
finishing with scoring the winning goal at Wembley uh, against the team that where he started basically can you can you kind of see that he might think you know what better way to finish i don't want to finish the season as a bit part player in the premier league i want to finish the season on on a massive sorry finish my career on a massive massive high could you perhaps understand that i could certainly understand it i mean i wouldn't begrudge him if he did retire you know it's he's it's not like he's spent the you know 20 year career languishing in championship and lower divisions and never experienced the premier league before um, so yeah, you know he, you know he's been in the Premier League. He he knows what's entailed. You know it's not a new experience for him. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't feel prepared for it, whether that's physically or mentally, then you can't take it away from him. But being sort of the consummate professional that he is, you know, ma- you know maybe that that is enough to persuade him to stay for another year. You know, e- even if he signed on the basis that he might come on for 15 games from the bench to try and nick a goal if we're down. You know, he he knows his role, sort of thing. Um, but I, I, I personally, I'd I'd be convincing him to stay for another year. There's no harm mm. in it at all. Uh, Barney. Yeah, I mean, keep him, keep him on. Well, you wouldn't begrudge him for going. I don't think you know. The first few actions said, "What a way to go out!" You know, if he does go, what a what a great thing. I mean, the the reality is, is you know, and it might be a harsh question to ask so early on. Would he have the impact in the Premier League that he has in the Championship? I don't know. My gut feeling is probably not. But you know, he surprised me this season, so I can't see why he wouldn't surprise me next season. Um, I think what a great what a great role model to have around just just around the training ground. If we've got this you know young breed of players coming in, someone around the camp who who has that experience and knowledge and can handle these big situations. You know, we've got some big games next year. You know, Anfield, the Emirates, Old Trafford. You know, St James's Park. Having someone in the changing rooms who's been there before um, and can just sort of bring the level down and get these players' heads in the right place. I don't think it's a bad it's a bad call, really. Mm, absolutely agreed. Fantastic stuff. Um, I'm going to go through a, a few of the tweets we've received throughout the course of the show. Obviously, if you do want to contact us, you can also email. It's radio at homesdale.net or do tweet us at HOL Radio. We'll be on for a little bit, yeah. We've got to talk about the future and a, and a few other little bits and pieces. Um, talking of future, I want to uh, quickly ask you guys, I think we've talked about it before. I'm not sure if I talked about it with you on air. Uh, as to, well, I've already said my view on it. Um, I'll start with you, Barney. Is Wilf uh, going to have an impact next season at Man United? Well, I think if um, Sir Alex was still uh, in charge, I'm not too sure. Um, I think he, it all depends. What What's more is he going to do? Is he going to try and keep with his old trustees at United? Or is he going to think, right, I need to develop a squad, um, you know, a kind of a, a, with a three or four year vision? Um, I think if he goes for the latter, then I think Zaha's got a very big part to play. What I don't want to see is the same old players playing for Man United that um, have been playing for the last three or four seasons. And you've got a, a, a phenomenal talent just sat on the bench. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Wilf um, to perform in the Premier League because, you know, he's built that up for himself. And he's just got to, you know, he's got to be coached and nurtured in the right way. And my gut feeling is it's a season too early. Um mm. But I, d- I really don't know if he's going to break into that squad. In all honesty, because I, I've, I mean, I've always said this. I know it sounds. I hope again. I don't want to sound negative, but there is a big, I, there is a gap, and we need to make sure that, you know, that Man United need to get this kid in the right space. He's 20 years old for God's sake. You know what I mean? His, his skills are unbelievable. Just don't make sure he turns into another Michael Owen, another Wayne Rooney. Let's just. They need to get it right. 
Mm. Well, what do you think then, Albert? Um, first of all, is he ready? Uh, if he's not going to play, and also, if you can follow up with if he's not going to play, should we potentially ask to get him back on loan? Uh, there's certainly no harm in asking if we can have him back on loan. I, I don't know how happy he himself would be with that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, the ambition is to play in the Premier League. He knows he will eventually be doing that with Man United. He signed a five-year deal. So, you know, even if it's a six-month loan or he goes to United for six months and we we get try and get him in January. I don't know, it's a tough one because, you know, my wife's a United fan and all her family are. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and all, the, all the talk is that Nanny's going and, you know, Ashley Young hasn't been up to scratch this season. Mm. And... And the only other winger they've got there really is Valencia, who yeah. often gets played at right back or sometimes plays in the middle. So there's de- there's there's definitely a space for him at United. Um, yeah. But like you say, can can you expect to throw him in for? You know they're they're in Europe. They'll you know they'll certainly play a lot of cup games. Can you expect to throw him in for 50 games a se- You know around 50 games a season in his first season at the top end of the Premier League and expect him to do okay. Um, he has to believe that he can. Yep. But, um, yeah, I'd, like to, I'd love to have him back, but I can't help thinking that it's best to just to let him go and prepare yeah. for life without him. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, part of me thinks, well, I'm the same, same as Barney. I don't want to see, I don't want to see him sitting on the bench and getting 10 minutes here and there. You know, he's still at an age where he has to play every week. Um, I do genuinely believe that if they put their trust in him and they nurture him the right way, he can play from the very, very start of the season and he can have an impact at the very highest level. As I said, no one does, in my view, no one does what he does. Um, the way he does it, he's just, he's a phenomenon. He really is. And if he's give, playing alongside better players, being given the ball in better areas and having people around him that he can flick a pass through and, you know, they'll control it with one touch. You know, it won't take two or three touches. And that's not, not slagging our players off, but there's a reason that, that our, our squad isn't playing, all playing for Man United. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think it's wrong to say that. I, I think no. that they'd probably acknowledge it themselves. But, you know, I'll be, I just think he has the chance to thrive. But if they don't use him, if they're not brave enough to use him, then you know, I'd love to, I'd love to see him back at, at Palace for another season. But I do, I do see what you're saying, Albert. In that, he would probably not view that quite as positively as we would, because you know, he, he's he's done his, he's kind of like he's done his ten years. He's done his bit. He's part of a promotion side. You know, he loves Palace. He's, you know, he he's shown that he loves Palace, and he's he kind of he's leaving it at the perfect point to sort of move on with his career. And to be honest, you know, it does, although we're talking about who do we bring in to, to you know, to take his place, there's there's a lot of talent in our academy and they're all going to be inspired by what they've seen from Wilf and what, what the possibilities are. And I know from people who, who watch the academy closely, you know, I don't watch it as closely as I used to, unfortunately, uh, but I know that there's people who genuinely believe that there's, should we say, talents that, that can potentially reach those heights and, and, Reese Alassani is one of those. Um, you know, bit of a different player, plays in different areas, but um, there's a genuine belief there that that once he settles and gets in and gets in and around the first team environment, that people are going to start talking about him in very much the same way. So we'll see how that goes. We shouldn't we shouldn't forget that what we have at the club already. Um, um, f- sort of finally, before we start talking about the future, I just want to talk about. We've talked about our our pre-match uh, routines. Well, Barney didn't because he's like the third replacement presenter we've had <laughs> during the course of the show. Oh, um, but but really, I want to talk about your feelings at the end of the game. I'll start with you, Albert. 
directly after the game, I was completely numb and in, in shock. And yeah, I think I had that hay fever thing that you had as well. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, we we sort of had a we went for dinner and a couple of drinks in Wembley, and then I made my own way home. And I just got in and yeah, just sat that sat down on text the coming. One thing I found, you probably had this. You're getting texts from people who you don't necessarily speak to a lot. Maybe they're work colleagues or whatever. Congratulations! I'll see you at White Hart Lane because they're Tottenham fans. Whatever. <laughs> it's just really weird. Just watch this. Yeah. What? Watch this sort of news feed come through, and it was sort of like, oh yeah, we've we were in the. Oh yeah, it means we're going to play at Chelsea now, or oh yeah, we're going to be at Old Trafford next year again, sort of thing. And then I watched the high the highlights were on not long after I got in. And uh, it was all very surreal. It, yeah, and it, it still is. It won't, it won't become real until first day of the season. We're getting dipped 8-0 at the Emirates or something. <laughs> you know? Oh, fantastic. Um, Barney, similar feelings at the end? Yeah, it was just uh, this... I mean, that last 10 minutes has got to be the worst last 10 minutes I think I've ever been through. Every second just felt like a, an hour. Um, and just when that final whistle went, really, it was just this this disbelief of we've done it and you know we talked about it for so long and you know I, th- I think back to when we've talked about it on air and I think god we you know we were I'm in an R and only then if we knew you know we would have probably you know gone gone maybe not chatted so much about it and you know I think I would have oh, I you know I think it's easy to sit back now and say there was always a bit of a confidence about it but there was I think you look at this group of players and there was something about them but that moment afterwards when it all kicked in and Really similar to you, actually, Albert's there, and I'll get to work, and you get people coming up to you saying, you know what, I, th- I think I might go to Palace next season. You, you know, can I, oh, so we'll, we'll go to a game together, and I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, where were you? You know, that cold Tuesday night when there was 14,000 of us getting into Sellers Park, and I think, I mean, I, I only live a stone's throw away from the ground as well, and I have to admit that it's just, the whole area is just on an absolute high. It's just great to see, you know, young people from every walks of life just all singing the same tune and getting behind their local club and it's 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 a great it's a, I love where I am at the moment it's a lovely place to walk to the train station in the morning and, and walk back and just chat to people they see I've got you know I'm a palace jacket on and they're like yeah you know well done boys yeah. it's like great it's fantastic now I got a yeah I got a, well I was, saw a Watford fan on the train on the way back and did um, it uh, it flown over from Portugal for the game and you know all he could all he could muster was um sort Are of they like, bringing him in on loan or <laughs> hey. 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 come on it's 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 good it's good don't worry <laughs> uh, but I mean he he's you know, he was having to fly about that same day and you know he was obviously the exact opposite he's ex- what I expected I did see a lot of Watford fans strangely happy after the game walking down Wembley I don't quite know what that was about you know they're a bit weird really but um but like yeah, that's the sort of thing that sort of started to hit me and I can remember um similar to what you were talking about, Barney, of people saying, Oh, maybe I'll go to Palace next year. Um Richard Green, who I, I know uh, often listens, was was at the pub. Uh, he won't mind me saying he was in a fairly inebriated state. Um but he was telling us a story about he, he got a text from someone already asking him if he'd get him tickets for the Chelsea game. You know, it's oh, is that you know what I mean? It's like uh, I I have some fears about that, but I mean, one thing we haven't really talked about, I've mentioned it in the past, but one thing we haven't really talked about, that kind of thing is all well and good. And as supporters, we kind of, we do look down on it. But I suppose when there's going to be that level of demand for tickets, I mean, it's not 
it's not, we're not wrong to say that last time we were in the Premier League, we pretty much sold out every game. And there's no reason not to expect the exact same thing this time. And for the owners, not only are they going to get the, the TV money and you know the prize money, and, and not only do they guaranteed a certain level due to parachute payments and what have you, you know, do you know what it's 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 for them really. I I feel perhaps the most sort of pride really. It's that they stuck their money where their mouth was at a really difficult time, mm. um, and I know they've taken grief off of people from all over, all sorts of reasons. Um, you know, some of it clearly designed to wind people up just just because they can, but a lot of it was genuine. A lot of it, a lot of it was genuine anger over certain situations, and they've got this opportunity. They've said that you know we're we're funding this club. You know, we're going to have a go at getting into the Premier League and the season we, we had a go, we made it. And, you know, you can talk all day about whether Dougie Freeman would have continued his work and would have had the same effect. You'll never know. But one thing is for sure that Ian Holloway took took the club over at a time where the club was the, the team were flying and he's pretty much going to hide into nothing because form drops and people get injured and players, you know, players are inconsistent at times and, they can get suspended and all that sort of stuff, and you know he is, you know, he's got to deal with that, and he's got to change the team, and when, when people work out how we play, and, um, and, and you know he's earned his money, he's got us where where we wanted to be, and like I say I'm so happy for the guys in charge, I really am, and I think that that's a point that often gets missed in all this, and I know people will soon be demanding money gets spent and demanding better facilities because we're a Premier League club and all that sort of stuff but do you know what I think that's probably a headache they won't mind having um, because no you know it gives them a chance to not have to continuously dip into their personal wealth to keep this club going and and that for me is the, the, the biggest point to take from, from the day Every minute <clears throat> of that football game yesterday was worth £1 million pounds to the club That's a phenomenal I've, thing I've done the maths there for you <laughs> uh, thanks very much. Now, look, I'm going to take us through some um, some some contact from various different people. There's an there's an email that came in uh, purporting to be from someone from Africa, although it isn't. It's yet again, it's from our old friend Serial Thriller. But it's been a while. Um, I'm going to have a read through it at some point and see if I can actually bring myself to read it all out. I might save it till the end of the show. Um, so I haven't forgotten that, Niall, but I'll, I'll come back to it. <laughs> um, Ian Lyons uh, talking about the future has, has emailed us to ask uh, suggest potential purchase for next season uh, the first one is Vidra himself what do you think of that Albert? oh he's injured <laughs> oh dear yeah that's true um, obviously championship player of the season is it I mean I think the ownership of him I don't know I think assume, assume he's part of Udinese or something like that I'd rather Charlie a... Austin if we're going to poach players okay. from other people in our league but you know, each that, their own. I, I actually have to say, Charlie Austin is a, is a fantastic shout because very, very similar player to Murray, in my view, in, in that he's a goal scorer, uh, but also a physical presence. You can play as a, as a lone striker. So I think that's a really good shout. And he's a sort of purse player that will cost a bit of money. But, I mean, this will be the season where I think, genuinely think, where we'll finally see Valerian Ishmael uh Removed as our most expensive purchase. I think the game's moved on. <laughs> the game's moved on to a point now where we can finally say that we're going to have to, certainly as a striker, because of Murray's injury, because of, I would say, the lack of uh, available strikers to, to score the goals at the club. Um, how would, how would you feel about a double swoop for Ivan Kavidis and Nicola Ventola? 
<laughs> I like Bentler, but I think he's in prison now, isn't he? I forget. Is he? Um, I don't know. I'd have to Google. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure something bad happened with him. Are you sure it's not hospital? Related, I'm sure it related to um, match fixing or something. I could be wrong on that. Allegedly, potentially, I don't know. May have misread it. I think I've got away with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, some other suggestions. I'm going to read them, read them all out. Um, see if there's anyone who, who tickles your fancy there. Um, Bridcut, Thomas Ince, Phil Neville, and uh, Kone from Wigan. Uh, I've been yeah. I said to myself Thomas Ince, but I don't think it would happen. It's, but you know you've got the money to make a bid, so make a bid. Is that I mean? Is that your general philosophy? Do you think? Um, like we we should genuinely actually you know let, let's let's start taking some risks. Let's go for someone like Ince. Let's let's. If someone said, yeah, if someone said to me you could you could sign Thomas Ince nailed on for six and a half seven million, I certainly wouldn't sniff at that. You know, I think that's a that's a good risk because even if you go down. You could probably sell him for four or five, or if he has a good season and we still go down, you'll you'll make your money back. Um, you know, he was linked with Liverpool not so long ago, and yeah, well, that's, you know, he was there as a youth, wasn't he? And, and yeah, they, they weren't. They, they, they weren't. They're not going to sign him for three million. You know, it's there's certain players that I think you have to take apart. What I don't want, I don't want to spend eight million on some bloke from Spain that no one's ever heard of. Um, you know, if it's a meat chew and it's two million, he turns out to be a gem. That's great. Obviously, you haven't got the hind, the sorry, the foresight to see that. But spending huge amounts of money on, like I say, people from from clubs that you've never heard of, that's exactly what we we need to avoid. Mm. Okay, uh, just some general tweets from people as that have come in throughout the course of the show. A um, couple of, uh, on Wilbraham, uh, James. Uh, Sorby said that uh, Wilbraham looked better in the highlights than he thought he was during the game. Steve Ibe said, um, after listening, he's going to take back this criticism of Wilbraham. Uh, he was lower down. They didn't see his work rate pulling defenders away. So I think a lot of people have kind of revised their view. That's on Wilbraham. Yep, indeed it is. And, and that's, that's the other thing. You do get a different view of things at a game than you do on TV. I do it all the time. Every time we've got a televised game, which be a lot more now, I have a completely different opinion after watching it than I, than I do from my vantage point in, in the Arthur or, or the away ground. Because you do see, you see things completely differently. You can only focus, it is effectively a better view on um, on TV, to be quite honest with you. But um, anyway, uh, Bob Bob White says, uh, Bob might not be the most potent of strikers, but his movement off the ball, his hold-up plate was excellent. Um, that's quite a bizarre text while I was looking at that. That's quite weird. Um Talking of Yedinak, uh, Tom Tom Soapbar. Oh, that's a good name. Soapbar's a type of... Uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, Tom says, uh, I don't think I've ever seen Yedinak lose a header. Uh, Bob White again says, uh, our radio team give very, uh, is talking to Watford Talk. I'm not going to read that one out. That's a different one. Um, James Sorby again says, oh, we have to sponsor Peter Ramage next season. Well, we'll try and organise that. We've still got a little bit of money left over from the, the last sponsorship, so we'll try and get that going. Um Lee Ward did ask if we, uh, if we could ask Rambo to be signing a new contract. If you missed that, um, he was non-committal, but he said he's going to sit down and talk to the club about it. Um, good to see Patrick O'Connor listening. He's actually over in England this time. He usually listens from New York. Um, just a last bit of compliment there. And great to, great that you got over and saw us win, Patrick. Um, King B says, to be successful in the Premier League, I think we should sign players who can boost our confidence and mustn't spend too much. So if I can get your opinion on that, Barney, in terms of the amount of money we should spend um obviously i don't need to put a figure on it but but do we still need to be particularly prudent or do we have to take a gamble um 
I, I'd be very um, reluctant to take a gamble because I think that's what was our downfall was last time. And I think although the, the payment structure has changed, um, I still think you make yourself very vulnerable um, to the worst case scenario, which would be, of course, relegation. I think, you know, this idea of having players on big contracts and, and I don't I honestly don't think that's how the club are going to are going to do it. I think they were very clever in January when they um they got. They didn't buy players. They loaned players, and they got good loan players in with no sort of you know long term commitments. Do the job for us for six months, and then we'll talk. And I think the same sort of principle needs to be taken now into the Premier League. Remember, three teams have gone down. It was a very tight end to the season, so there could be a lot of potential for those players to come back up. And so you know, um, and I think teams like Wigan. Um, I, I don't know about Reading. Um, are going to be looking to offload. I think QPR are certainly going to be looking to offload, and I think we could take a couple of gems from them. Um, that you know, that there was a phenomenal talent in that QPR squad. There's no doubt about that. But as Ramo was saying, they just didn't have some sort of team spirit. So I think we've got to be a little bit clever um, with that. I, I, it's nice to nice to hear that you know the board have come out and sort of said today, right, we need to get some bit of infrastructure at Sellers Park now. I think that's really important. You know, you look at clubs like, um, and I, I know that I use, always use Arsenal as, as an example because I think they're very good. They were they were the first really to take a very medium club and take it to the top of the league. And I think we need serious infrastructure at Sellers Park, um, and we need to make sure that our youth academy players are encouraged to come through the ranks. And we need to be a breeding club, not a buying club, because. That's what happened with Jordan in charge, and and we don't want to see what happened three years ago happening again. Mm. I don't think it will. This lot seems to have their head screwed on about it, and they, and they're very clear about it. I don't. I, they, I think they've come out and said we need a new striker, um, and someone to replace Saha. So, and what a great yeah. incentive they made. They said, look, you know, if you boys win this, you're going to be, we're going to let you know have a ride in the Premiership, and I think that's what got them up, and we need to give them that chance. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely right. And, and and again, we've got a manager who who's part of his motivation for coming to Palace is that he wants to he wants to use the academy. He wants to develop those players. So obviously that would involve improving those facilities. I'm sure we're going back for Cat One status again in the near future if oh. we haven't done so already, and, and various things like that. So there's a lot there's a lot going on, and there's a lot we've got to build. And obviously, whether it's rebuilding Sellers Park or, or still going for, you know, we'd, I'd love to ask Steve that we're next to get a chance, but whether or not, uh, whatever we're going to do ground-wise. But we'll, we'll talk about that very, very quickly in a minute. I'm just very aware of the time. I'll carry on forever. Um, just a few other little bits and pieces. David Manley says his favourite moment during the game was us singing uh, Glenn's song to Let It Be and seeing how choked up he was. Yeah, Again, just reading that out nearly made me uh, get hay fever again. Uh, John <laughs> Ross has, uh, said he's going to buy Rambo a pint up in Newcastle. He's on holiday up there or something like that. Um, I don't know. Um, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I've probably got loads of other bits. <laughs> um, Mark Pratt has uh, just uh, commenting on uh, Peter Ramage's uh, saying we need him around. He's a proper pro and a top lad. Uh, thanks for that, Mark. Uh, Will Gain is laughing at Albert's um, comment of "Is he?" in a loud, like a high voice. Uh, Matt CFC says uh, to sign uh, Scott Sinclair. He's not getting a look in at City. Don't know if he'd come here. See, we had him on loan once before, uh, but obviously his wages at City are going to be absolutely astronomical. Uh, Will Gain is selecting Ince Carlton Cole, which is um, someone we have been linked with who will be available. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people against that. Um, 
Yeah, me. I think he's no, I think he's known that West Ham was can't control, but um, it's quite clever you know, for a West Ham fan. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they didn't think of it themselves. I don't know. It's Cockney rhyming um, slang, isn't it? So. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, uh, Jack Fitzgerald is suggesting Mvila, Mvila from a, is that a player who was at QPR by any chance? Anyway, I don't know. That, I can't remember. Mbia. Oh, I don't know. I've given, you a, a, I've given you a good couple of Kevin Phillips quotes there. I know, I'm going to come to them. Oh, come on. Just, just doing the last bit of the last tweet. It's breaking news. Oh, I've just got, oh, is it? Okay. Well, you know, I, I don't like to do things any particular uh, you know time it's just not, not going to rush it let's go back to these tweets <clears throat> uh, Media Easier says uh, he's suggesting Jordan Rhodes Rhodes so um, Jordan Rhodes is a fantastic goal scorer but what sort of money Blackburn will be asking for him I really really don't know uh, Will Gaines other suggestions he mentioned Bridcut but he's also asked said Ian Hart how old's Ian Hart now anyone know 36, 37. Getting on uh, a bit. Well, he's obviously uh, not as old as Ryan Giggs or Kevin Phillips, but he's got to be half the way there. Mm. Probably more than Talk, half the way there, actually. To- talking of Kevin, ke- talking of Kevin Phillips, he's thirty-five apparently. Thanks, Mikey. Um, talking of Kevin Phillips, <laughs> but I think you've got some information on him. Is there some news regarding Kevin Phillips? I think there's some sort of news. Do you want to tell you us? Should have said is? something. I didn't realise <laughs> yeah. that was coming up. No, I've just seen. It. We're all we're all clearly on the pulse because I've just taken this from an article that was published at about midday today. <laughs> Kevin Phillips saying I'm pretty certain that I'll carry on next year where that will be I don't know and asked whether he felt his body could withstand top flight football Phillips responded without a shadow of a doubt well there we go let's um, I think he's got to be worth another year I really do whatever happens just give him that give him that chance you know he's he scored a hat-trick for us this year in a game even though it was possibly the most mishit hat-trick that's ever been scored um, but it's just it's just had a huge impact for us and you know, I, I'm sure he'd still put a put a goal or two away at the very top level. Hmm. So just before we finish, let's talk about the future. We mentioned the ground there, um, and we've we've talked about transfers really. But I suppose I want to focus really on. Well, I want to focus on the ground. Um, Albert redeveloped Sellers Park or new stadium? Uh, considering I saw Steve Parish on BBC London News at half past six saying we're yep. probably going to redevelop. Sellers Park. I'm probably going to go for that one. Listen, right? You're going to need to start getting involved earlier. If you turn don't t- if you turn up for the pre-show at fifth, you know, twenty minutes late, then and don't tell me things. You know, <laughs> it's not, like, I'm giving you a sense of drama. It's breaking. Loose. I suppose you are. All right, so we're going to redevelop Sellers. Obviously, that main stand needs to go first. Do you? Well, that's it. Well, what, what do we want to see? Well, you know, do, do you fear perhaps the, the soulless bowl that might? sort of come out of it do you see us redeveloping stand by stand what do you think what do you want to see at Celeste I'd like to I'd still like to see four individual stands um, and I think when you're redeveloping an existing ground I think you have to do it that way don't you I'm, mm. not that I'm an expert well, you have to find well, you potentially do or you have to find a temporary home and level the, level the site down because that's always something that was, that was mentioned before in the very early days trying to find somewhere else to obviously not not willing to ground share with, with Millwall although I'm not sure they would notice because not many people actually go to their ground anymore. But, um, you know what I mean? Not, there's, there's no desire to ground share. The only place you could technically play a football match that wouldn't involve a ground share with someone else is, is actually at Crystal Palace Park on the NSC site. So, um, 
you know, with the with the, with the running track in place, kind I'm, of thing. I'm quite Maybe intrigued it's... to see them try and level Sellers Park, but leave a fully operational Sainsbury's still standing. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if you ever um, saw. Well, I don't know if. It, I'll be careful what I say. There was some suggestion. I think that some of the images appeared on the BBS that obviously the the redevelopment of Selhurst would include Sainsbury's as a as a partner, if you like. And that whole Sainsbury's would be redeveloped as a sort of two-floor glass-fronted affair, with various different other shops involved and all that sort of thing, like almost like a retail complex. So it's not as insane as you think. Well, fact, well, that's that's me vindicated, then, isn't it? Yeah, is vindicated the right word? Yes. Move all on. Right. All right, uh, Barney. Any particular sort of preferences or times, girls? You'd like to see? Um, yeah, I'd like to see. Obviously, I'd like to see Sellers developed. Really, I think uh, they call it the Plastic Stadiums now. You got uh, you've got the Rico Arena, you've got Reading Stadium, you've got the the Riverside up north, and uh, yeah, I think. I think we need to redevelop Selhurst. I think, yeah, I read the Steve Parrish um, interview with BBC London and he's saying that he, I think you're on the right lines there, actually, Chris, about a redevelopment Sainsbury's, lots of pop-up shops, and they want to make a complex. And to be fair, you know, that's I think that's great for the for the local area and, you know, that's, that's how it should be. Premier League come, club comes in and we should remember where we come from and who got us there. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be that. I mean, the... the, the the Arthur weight needs to probably be um, started again. We just need to get the Homesdale stand and times it by three, and I think we'll have a pretty good. I think we'll have a pretty good stadium. Mm. Obviously, the only problem being that the Homesdale itself also needs replacing, and somehow stopping stopping it sinking is also another another plan. But um, listen, I'll be really interested to see what what they come up with because obviously the the real battle is if you if you're going to stay at your current home, the real battle is always going to be retaining its character and retaining its feel uh, as you redevelop and, and I'm really not too sure how they can even go about doing that um, <laughs> Albert you you got an opinion there? Yeah I was going to say as long as the tasty jerk next door cleans up its act and <laughs> gets rid of the cockroaches and mice and is still involved then I'll be happy <laughs> <laughs> Well if, uh, if the area is rebuilt hopefully we can give them a nice clean new shop so uh, people can do you, do you ever wonder if there's sort of smoke smell that you could detect was ever actually the chicken cooking or, or the cockroaches being burnt um, I, I, I did wonder if it was mice actually sending smoke signals because even they were disgusted at the state of the place <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, never put no. me off no no I was going to say so many people and it still were. won't I had no, it won't. I had I grabbed one just before the uh, getting on the coach down to the Brighton second leg, and I think I think <laughs> the news the news broke the second day, and the the first thing that came to mind was, well, I enjoyed it yesterday. So <laughs> fantastic. Well, it's always good to end um, to end a review of us being promoted to the Premier League with a discussion about jerk chicken. So I think <laughs> I'll end the show there uh, in our traditional style. We will be back for some form of end of season show in the very very near future. Um, but we haven't quite planned it yet, so I can't really tell you too much more. Because uh, obviously things changed because we qualified for the playoffs and then um, kind of won them a bit. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Bye. Take care. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in?
at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.